Hey everyone, I'm Rachel. And I'm Sarah. And we're sisters who just so happen to be best friends. We're here to unpack all of the unexpected moments that come with early adulthood and hope to uncover a more meaningful life, one conversation and cup of coffee at a time. This is Mocha's In The Meantime. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Mocha's In The Meantime. It's Rachel here. And Sarah. And welcome back. <laughs> Mocha's In The Meantime, fall edition. <laughs> Finally in the air. I don't know if you remember, if you listened last fall, you might know how obsessed we are with the season. So it's been a really great few weeks for us. Totally. <laughs> getting back in the fall vibes. Um, yeah, I feel like the foliage isn't quite ready yet, but it's slowly starting to be more like leaves on the ground and like a crisp in the air. And it's just been great. It's my favorite season ever. <laughs> I think, I think honestly out here, the leaves change a little bit more quickly than out there. Cause I went for a walk yesterday and everything was really starting to turn like kind of like that big beginning step of like, wow, it's really fall. Well, and, and it's been starting to rain a lot as well, which is another signifier of it being uh, autumn in the Pacific Northwest. So I am excited. <laughs> And as basic as it is, all the pumpkin drinks are out on the menus and there's all the like pumpkin and apple desserts at bakeries and such. So it really is just (laughs) our favorite time of year, the most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) I agree. Honestly, um, that perfectly segues into our question of the week, which we thought we would make fall themed, of course. And (laughs) I thought of this this morning, which is, are you team pumpkin or team apple when it comes to fall desserts slash not even desserts because you can make apple and pumpkin like savory but like what is your favorite Mm -hmm. between the two because I feel like those are the two hot commodities in this season (laughs) yeah it's like a fall favorite fall ingredient fall activity like apple picking versus pumpkin picking or pumpkin carving you know what's weird I was about to say Yo, what if we also talked about our favorite fall activities? (laughs) Well, what if we said our fall activity and then said our team? Sure. Okay. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Definitely. I'm team pumpkin when it comes to um, the debate between those two. I do love Apple though. Like I'm not an Apple hater, but pumpkin is just so freaking good and I just baked some pumpkin oat bars so I round up oats as like kind of like an oat flour and like use maple syrup and chocolate chips in it as well because that goes really good with pumpkin and like pumpkin pie spice and it was just so Mm. good or like a breakfast or dessert vibe um but yeah they're both delicious but pumpkin I think is just extra nostalgic feeling during this time of year. (laughs) And then my favorite fall activity, I think it's a tie between like one, um, like just being outside. I know it's cheesy, but like just seeing the foliage is so nice. Like going for like hikes in the fall is so nice. Mm. Like last year I was in Virginia during the fall and went hiking a lot in Shenandoah National Park 
with my parents. And that was like, so nice. So I'd say like just being around foliage and also Halloween. I love, and I'm baby, like I'm not into really scary movies or anything, but just like the vibe of Halloween, like spooky season is so exciting. And like, I don't know, like Halloween, like because of COVID, we didn't do anything last year. Like literally mm-hmm. didn't even dress up because Sarah had a COVID scare. So I remember we were literally sitting with masks on in our basement together <laughs> on Halloween. Oh, yeah. oh my <laughs> gosh. I forgot about that. It was yeah. just sad Halloween. And so this year I'm like so excited to like dress up and like have fun plans and maybe go to a haunted house. So yeah, I think just October spooky season is my second favorite thing about fall for sure. You know, you know, what's weird is I have a really positive memory of Halloween, but I forgot about all of that because my, my like flashbulb memory of last Halloween was me walking around the neighborhood by myself and seeing all these kids and families outside gathering outside and trick-or-treating still but safely like everyone had masks on and they a lot of people had like grills or bonfires in their front yards and they were all just kind of hanging out in costume covid safe and I was like this is so great everyone's still doing their thing and like hanging out with the neighborhood despite the pandemic and I remember walking around and feeling really happy that day so I'm like that I, I honestly forgot about that COVID scare. <laughs> uh, I did, we were going to like socially distance hang out with our friend and dress up. And then we canceled because you were a little bit nervous because I don't remember exactly how you were exposed. I don't even remember. It was my friend's partner had it. Oh, or was exposed to it or something. But anywho, whatever. <laughs> yeah, just even though we made the most of it, it was just kind of like sad that we didn't do anything festive. So I'm really excited for Halloween this year. Cool. Yeah. It sounds like you have some fun plans in place. Yeah. I'm probably going up to Minneapolis to, cause my friend, one of my closest friends up there is like obsessed with Halloween. So I feel like she's the person to celebrate with. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> How about you for activity and pumpkin versus apple. Well, you know, I'm definitely on pumpkin team with you. (laughs) I think just because there's so many delicious desserts with pumpkin that like, I just genuinely like the flavor of pumpkin and also the pumpkin (laughs) spot. Sorry. I just, (laughs) sorry guys. I literally took a sip of my coffee (laughs) and like my whole face contorted because my, I don't know. I put a little too much coffee beans in like the, it's just very intense and strong. So I got it very slowly. Go on. No, it's okay. Um, I'd say I just really enjoy the taste of pumpkin desserts with chocolate and just the spice mix. I like to put into things like my roommate and I have been putting pumpkin spice in our coffee, like the pumpkin spice spice mix into our coffee or, just kind of finding ways to integrate pumpkin in other ways. Like I made cookie, like chocolate chip cookies with pumpkin in it. Or I was thinking about, I saw a recipe for pumpkin sauce, like making a pumpkin spaghetti sauce with like canned pumpkin. Mm. And I thought that might be interesting to try just all sorts of different things. I will say my, my friend last night brought this pumpkin cheese dip and it was not great. It was like... (laughs) 
It was like a pumpkin, like a savory pumpkin cheese dip. Oh, I think I could picture if it was like a pumpkin cream cheese sweet dip with like fruit. That could be good. It was more like a pumpkin, like goat cheesy type of dip. And Mm. it was like supposed to be warm and savory. And it just like, it just didn't hit for me. (laughs) I think that could be hit or miss for sure. Like it wasn't awful, but I was like, "Eh, I don't know. I would like never buy this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I could, now I'm picturing though, like a cold, like pumpkin cream cheese dip like with like apples dipped in being cut pretty good actually like a nice whipped pumpkin dip yeah Yeah, like dip kind of like a sweet you know those like fruit dips that are like sweet I could see that being good but I think that would be good as well but this was definitely different than that but yeah um and then I'd say one of my favorite fall activities this is a childhood one but that I don't really do anymore but I used to love raking the leaves I used to really enjoy doing that in our backyard. So I really like that. But I also really enjoy just like general outdoor fall activities. Like, like you mentioned hiking, that's a good one. And also I like the feel of going to like a fall festival or an orchard or a corn maze or something where, you know, it's just like the fall feels are in the air. It's honestly, I associate it with Halloween too, like going to those spots and getting apples I love apple picking yeah I love apple picking as well or like pumpkin picking or going to like an outdoor brewery or cidery or something in this time of year is really fun too I don't know just outdoor fall activities yeah. I'd say but oh yeah That's but I'm <laughs> I also I have a really good segue for this episode if you don't mind me testing it out yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. (laughs) So, okay. I think that there's this common trope or like idea that like, if you like pumpkin stuff, you're basic and like, it's not that good and it's overrated. And like, I feel like for a long time, I kind of held in my love for pumpkin and fall activities and whatever, because it's kind of cheesy and like, I don't know, basic is the word I think of. And I really think that that was a people pleasing measure of me trying to like appear a certain way to others to make them have a better impression of me girls I don't care about pumpkin (laughs) or it's like don't worry I'm not that basic that I would talk about pumpkin maybe I was trying to show like oh I'm not as basic as you think because I don't talk about pumpkin in September and October like I don't order a pumpkin spice latte but like of course I do. I love that stuff. (laughs) Like a great segue because I think there is sort of like this I guess kind of like patronization of like girls that like kind of like quote unquote basic things like that. And you feel like, like, it's so silly that like, why do people care if you're excited about something, you know? Yeah. Or like, why do you have this instant judgment of me? Because I enjoy this thing that a lot of people could see as being overrated maybe, or, or, um, I don't know. Like, I think PSL, as people say, is like a perfect example. It's like, oh God, you're like a basic girl if you want a pumpkin spice latte. And I'm like, honestly, who doesn't? Most people like them. Like, I mean, some people don't, and that's fine. But it's like, it's not that uncommon to just enjoy a flavor. And I think that just really struck. I was thinking about that yesterday, and I was like, 
that really struck me. Like I used to kind of hold in a lot of my, uh, I don't know, things that I liked or opinions. And I still do honestly pretty often about it today (laughs) because I'm trying to kind of not only people please, but also I think people pleasing goes hand in hand with being liked by others. Like you want to be perceived well. And so, um, yeah, like I, I just thought that might be a fun way since we were talking about fall to like segue into our topic of the day, which is if you haven't already guessed people pleasing. Yeah, I feel like this topic comes naturally, unfortunately, to both Sarah and I, because we be- both definitely, I think, have struggled with a people pleasing demeanor most of our lives um both of us maybe in different ways or in different contexts but overall I think we both have sort of a inclination to be worried about what other people think of us but not I think everyone has that but I think people pleasing takes it a step further where it's like you care but you and then you also do behaviors to try to like create this reputation of yourself or to make other people around you feel good um and while I don't think it's always terrible to be mindful of other people and like you know be respectful and kind to like yeah and happy around you like when we think of people pleasing I think of it as more so you're doing these things almost unconsciously in like almost a selfish way to make them like like you more than just making them feel good which I think is a good thing but by taking it a step further it's not being as authentic or it's holding in your true feelings or it's being passive or not standing up for yourself I think there can be a lot of downsides that I think I've recognized more recently in life I was kind of even unaware of how much of a people pleaser I was until more recently. And we're Mm. actually going to really dive into this article we found on psychology today, which kind of gives 10 steps of a people pleaser and like 10 signs, I guess, that you are a people pleaser. And we were thinking it would be interesting to go through that list and kind of reflect on how we relate to them or if we don't relate to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do also want to point out that I think you kind of articulated this already, but I think people pleasing in its own way is almost like a survival strategy. Like, I think it's almost a way for you to, for a lot of us to feel accepted by others. And so by no means are we trying to say that like, you know, it's a super easy thing to overcome or something that you should be ashamed of. It's really, I, like you said, pretty common among a lot of us and all of us want to be loved. I think that's a very human trait but like I also want to say that it's something that I think as I've gotten a little more aware and a little more I don't know like I I feel like I've I've been able to kind of stop some of the behaviors I had in the past related to people pleasing I think it's very freeing and so hopefully if any of you can relate to these with us like um at the end we're we're gonna reflect about some strategies that we've um, incorporate it into our lives to try and, you know, people please a little bit less or change some of these habits. And so if any of you have any strategies, please send them into us. Cause we can use them. Um, yeah, I'm definitely by no means 
not a people pleaser anymore. I'm just working on it actively, like in progress, which is the point of the podcast. I feel like we're talking about things that are happening in the present. Um, In the meantime, we're both working on it. (laughs) yeah. 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 And I wanted to also say that I feel like women also have more pressure to people please in our society than men. And I feel like that also goes into both like I think that just goes into like kind of environmentally when you grow up, you're subconsciously taking in those cues that you slowly might become more of a people pleaser. And I don't have like any exact statistics, but I just I feel like talking amongst women, it's just a lot more common that you're portrayed as like a bitch or like cold or like a nasty person if you have more assertiveness if you're not taking people's bs if you're opinionated in any way strong opinions or disagree with people you're pegged in a more negative light and luckily that's slowly i think unraveling and we're like sick of that and we're trying to i think a lot of people are shifting that mindset but i think it's not an overnight process and i think that i definitely have subconsciously taken that in throughout my life and that probably also plays a role into feeling like more of a people pleaser Mm. and I also think people pleasing yeah again I haven't dived super deep into the psychology but I could assume that like certain upbringings might facilitate it more than others like you were saying like almost like a survival strategy or I just think there's a lot of interesting psychology behind why people please or or why people people please that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's not just like you woke up and you're a people pleaser. So again, like you were saying, you shouldn't feel angry at yourself. There's a lot of reasons and societal pressures that have contributed you to feel this way if you're in the same boat as us and we're just trying Mm -hmm. to unpack it together and- Yeah. Yeah. And like talking about women maybe being more susceptible to people pleasing, I think that goes hand in hand with the idea of people pleasing kind of being a survival strategy. To find stability, you kind of had to rely on marrying a partner or like being accepted in a family. I think it was like you probably kind of had to people please in order to like maintain economic stability and like well being and to like get the things that you needed. I think it's also just maybe I felt this in particular. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think I always saw like the most important trait being like the most important thing for me to be was nice. Mm. Like, and I'm not saying that being kind is a bad thing. It's obviously something I really admire about others and myself. I would argue that I listened to this in a podcast too. I think nice and kind are different. Recently, I've come to that conclusion. Not mm. to up, but I feel like no, it's okay. This is like important. Kindness is like true, like genuine love and care for other people around you, and like making mm. feel good and empowering other people. And I feel like nice. I think of is like maybe more of a polite front, but maybe I feel like kindness. I think of is a more deep rooted genuine quality and niceness I think of as like 
more of a people pleasing word these days. I've kind of feel like they, they feel different when I think about it. And someone brought that point Mm. up again. And I was like, that does feel different. Like, oh, she's really nice. Like, I don't think that doesn't feel as good as like, she's so kind. Like, I feel like those are different, Mm. but anyway, I I would agree. Actually. I never thought about that as, as much, but I think that that's so true. It's like being nice is maybe like being more or agreeable. You're agreeable. Yeah. Or like, you're very, like, maybe you're approachable. Like you don't have super intense thoughts or opinions that you put out there into the world you're kind of like neutral agreeable kind of like sweet which again there's nothing wrong with that but I think I used to always think that that was the most important thing I had to be nice I had to be nice to my teachers and my fellow classmates and like then I would be fine and I think that there's again nothing wrong with that but maybe because of that uh, you know, preoccupation. I wasn't always as in tune with who I really was, especially as a teenager and a kid. I think nowadays I'm a little more aware, but still it's like, it just really played a huge role in my life. And, and I don't know, it's just interesting. Um, but Uh, I remember I, I always to this day, like my biggest fear is like people thinking I'm mean or like a bitch like literally that is like way more scary than people not liking me for other reasons and I think that come from a people-pleasing point of view I don't but then at the same time I think there's a part of me that just doesn't like the thought of hurting someone and like that's really scary but I do think hurting someone is different from disappointing someone or being not agreeable to someone. So yeah, I think it's just kind of unraveling the difference between kindness and people pleasing niceness and the difference between like truly hurting someone and being terrible to them or like just asserting yourself and having boundaries. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm trying to separate those two because I kind of equated them in one clump my whole life. Like that disagreeing or whatever it is, is like like a bad thing or hurtful to someone or like you're doing harm to someone when it's really not if you have the best intentions and are just asserting your beliefs like you know and like you're just speaking your truth which I think is another thing that people pleasing shuts down it like shuts down your own voice and I feel like after so long if you're constantly saying to yourself like don't basically saying like don't be you or like don't be fully out there then I think it's a can like alienate you from your own needs and beliefs but also like I just feel like after a while you can build up a lot of resentment for it or just feel angry and it can be misplaced anger like you don't really know what to do with it like I just think there's a lot of effects of this sort of way of interacting with the world that like even though it could be very uncomfortable at first to to transition to more honesty and like openness, I think there's a lot of benefits that could come with it as well, especially in the long run. But yeah, yeah even talking about this is like inspiring me to be more mindful of this because I think I'm, again, by no means at the place I fully want to be with people pleasing. But yeah, I think it's a good time to jump into that article maybe and go through some of the signs of people pleasing to kind of just 
dive more into it. Cause you might not be doing these, or you might be more of a people pleaser than you think after recognizing certain behaviors that maybe you didn't even realize were people pleasing. Yeah. <laughs> number one, I'll, I'll start. Number one is you pretend to agree with everyone. Ooh, that one does hit home. I think what, something that I've done over the years is not pretending to agree, but just not disagreeing, if that makes sense. Like kind of just neutrally being like, uh-huh. And if I don't agree, just kind of not articulating that versus saying like, oh, interesting. I don't really agree with that. I just kind of say like, oh, and then I just leave it at that. And or maybe like, I tend to oh. agree, but I'm just neutral and kind of like ugh, feel like awkward saying a differing perspective. Or like something that I'm, I'm thinking of a very specific example. But like if someone says something that you know that you know is factually not true based on like your own education or just I don't know. Like if you know something is not true, not being afraid to say like, even in just like kind of a lighthearted way, like, oh, that's not true. Like what? Just kind of being like, and and it's not in a way of being rude to the person. It's just kind of like, but still like, instead of just thinking like, that's not true, but saying like, "Mm -hmm." I could have just said like, what? Like, no, like I read this. I know this is true. At least from my perspective, like, I know this is true and maybe I'm wrong, but do you know what I mean? You're almost a dietitian, you know, you're, you finish school. And I feel like I remember you saying you, when you worked at a coffee shop that certain like coworkers would say like certain health benefits of products that just weren't like factually sound. And I remember you were like, I felt like I wanted to be like, no, but it felt like you kind of just were like passively like, uh-huh. Yeah. And, like, one example, like you knew the science, like, no, that's actually just a fad that doesn't have any, like the scientific evidence of this has no, there's no exact study that proves this. And yeah, I think that's one example maybe where you to bring in that actual like education background. I think like in that, I wasn't actually thinking of that, but I think in that scenario, there's also the layer of like a power dynamic of like, I have a boss and I don't want to like go against what she said, Mm -hmm. which were these health benefits. Like she was kind of a big proponent of a lot of the things that we were advertising, obviously, because she owns it. And so I think in that situation, even if I had more courage to say what I thought, I don't know how it would have been received Yeah. But I think in another way, it's like, I could have just kindly said like, oh, actually, I just want to say like, I've actually studied this in my class and, or even just my coworkers saying stuff Ah, might've been okay, but that's a good example. Yeah. That's, I I didn't think of that one, but yeah. All right. All right. All right. Number two is you feel responsible for how other people feel. Yeah, I think think also if you have anxiety like I do, that's another layer to people pleasing is this worry that you're in some way not cool enough like around another person or they're not having fun if you're hanging out with them or 
So I think that also anxiety can play a role in people pleasing if you have anxiety like me. So I think that also, that definitely rings true to me is sometimes if I'm around new people, I'm very worried afterwards of like, did I come across in a way that makes them like me? How do they feel? Were they bored? So I do think I have a res- feel a responsibility to like, you know, be a certain way so other people feel good. Um, yeah. Yeah, I relate. I feel like I have this preoccupation whenever I like host people, like, will they like the food? Or if I recommend a movie or a song or something, I get really anxious. Oh no, like what if they don't like like I'm kind of like constantly watching them to see how they feel about the movie. You do that too. And like ask them questions about it. And like I don't know. I don't know if that's even people pleasing or like you're saying anxiety, but like I think they can intermingle for sure. What you were saying earlier too, I thought about how sometimes if people are less responsive or if they seem like they're in not as happy of a mood. I sometimes think that it's related to me. Like I feel responsible all the time, but then when you think about it, it's like, of course you're, they're not thinking about you every minute. Like you're not always in control of like other people's emotions at all. Like you're, I mean, you can play a role, but, but if you're being just pleasant, it's unlikely that they're just mad at you because you did something wrong. Like but I think that's something I've also experienced is like, I feel kind of personally responsible if somebody seems unhappy when they're around me yeah. or even over text when, when you don't even know what's happening on the other end, cause you can't see them or hear them, but definitely. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because, and, and then when it's yourself and you're feeling that way, you're not thinking, I don't know. It's like, we always forget other people have these crazy inner worlds and they're dealing with so many random things. And usually if they're yeah. upset, not related to you. Yeah. Or like, even if it is related to you, it doesn't mean you're a horrible person. It's just like, then let's open up a chat, which is another fear I have. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The next one I like, can't even go into because it was like, such a big part of my life and it kind of still is but it was oh it's it's you apologize often uh yeah Mm. I think I'm not as bad at that anymore but I I do think I have this like nervous habit of saying sorry sometimes Mm. perfect and I think that's Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. One thing I learned recently is if you're late to something, instead of saying sorry, say thanks for your patience. Or if you turn something in at work or something or in school to like email your boss or professor, thank you for your patience. Instead of being like, I am so sorry. Oh my God. And just (laughs) think how terrible you are for being late or turning something in late. It's same with like impatient customers. If you work in a customer service role, like I used to say sorry all the time to people when we took a while. And lately I just say, thanks for your patience. Like I don't ever apologize anymore. Like you're doing the best you can. Like what could you truly apologize for when there's a huge rush? You know, 
Yeah, unless you do something really wrong, like you really mess up, like then yeah, maybe, or if but... you like for your job, if you like gave them the wrong drink, like you could be like, oh, sorry about that, like, and then fix it, you know? Right. Like, it doesn't have to be this huge. I am so sorry. Like, like I think I sometimes, if I apologize, I make it this huge. Like, I am so sorry. Can't believe I did this, or like, you know, when it could just be like, oh. I'm sorry. Mm. I think one thing I've noticed for me is I have more, I think it's like, I'm, it's easier for me to have these more like shallow sorries to people like with smaller things, but I do have trouble when it's like more of a deep rooted conflict to apologize. And mm. so I think there is a difference of like the, the, the more shallow people pleasing sorries and like Again, there's like these like two layers of these things. And then there's like if you truly hurt someone to like reflect and like take a criticism and then apologize for it. I think that it's like really hard for me to apologize. Like it, I think it's comes from my fear of hurting someone or upsetting someone that when I mm. actually do, it's really hard for me to like truly sit with that and realize that I upset someone. And I think I sometimes can mm. get defensive quickly with that. Maybe not, not externally, but internally feel defensive if somebody feels upset by me. And I think in some ways that does weirdly relate to people pleasing because if you're like, oh, but I'm always mindful of how I act with other people. And if I still upset them, then it's like, oh, my God. How or horrible if, am I? Yeah. Or it's like if I let my guard down and I was less of a people pleaser, like with closer friends, and then I upset them, I'm like, oh my God, they know maybe I am a terrible person or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like kind of yeah. just tell yourself. So yeah, I think with a deeper rooted, like you upset me apology, that's like so hard for me to sometimes like fully reflect on, but like the empty the more like little things like being late or like something that's less like harmful to someone, I feel like I'm trying to work on just being like, thank you for your patience. Yeah. yeah. No, I feel that. I think also the more you apologize, the less weight it has in a true apology situation. Yeah, I think that's maybe what I'm trying to get at is like these sort of smaller apologies, if you're just kind of oversaying it, then when it's like a true reason to apologize, it's like, yeah, it's less authentic or it, yeah, it just feels like there are such different experiences. Yeah. And I, I mean, I honestly don't really want to launch into this, but I just want to say like, I think nowadays it's a lot easier, but I used to apologize like constantly, like people would tell me to stop. Cause I did it so much. Like even when I was a child and I feel like looking back, I'm like, wow, that was such a like people pleasing mechanism of like trying to, I, I, I don't even know if I knew what sorry meant though. After a while, like it was just kind of like this word I used often. Yeah. And but one like, thing I oh, go ahead. Oh no, it's okay. I was just gonna say, but like that in and of itself was kind of, it's kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. And I think one thing kind of going along with that is um, sometimes when you over apologize, it's like it's also awkward for the other person because it's like if you're just constantly apologizing, it's almost making them feel pressured to like comfort you or something. 
so maybe it, it does come from like that survival strategy maybe of like wanting an approval from others like for example with the late if you come to a meeting and you're like oh my god I'm so sorry I'm late I was in traffic and like I am so frazzled I'm so sorry this is terrible I'll like if you go on and just apologize like then the people in the meeting feel this pressure maybe to be like oh it's okay like and kind of like console you that like it's fine whereas if you just say thank you for your patience it's like it doesn't give them put them in this awkward place to like console you or tell you it's okay because maybe they are annoyed and like they don't feel like it's fully okay so by like apologizing a ton you kind of open that awkward situation for other people too and like take some of the responsibility away from maybe if you did inconvenience people it's like I think it's valid to say sorry if that feels okay for you but it's also like I think saying sorry and then giving an excuse even if it's a real excuse it's kind of like it kind of takes away from like maybe you did like you're saying like maybe you did inconvenience people and that doesn't make you a bad person or someone not worthy of like being in the meeting but it's also like valid for the other people to be like oh like I was supposed to start this 25 minutes ago I'm a little pissed because I was going to do this after yeah like and again like there's nothing wrong with the people feeling that and then you being the source of it but then everyone's going to be okay like it's going to blow over and I think I also do that where I'm like I'm so worried like I sometimes if I apologize it's like I want this reassurance that they're not mad anymore and it's okay whereas sometimes it's like they might still be annoyed or they are whatever like and that's okay like you're not gonna be perfect to everyone at every second even though I'm trying I always try to do that (laughs) that's a that's a really good point I I would say I've thought about that before but that didn't pop into my head yeah like it's just impossible and I think I'm learning that more and more (laughs) all right next number four you feel burdened by the things you have to do there's a it says on the article there's a good chance your schedule is filled with activities you think other people want you to do Mm. I think I don't relate fully to this um but I think there's sometimes a pressure like I think we talked about this as well is like it's like in this sounds like inauthentic but it's like sometimes I think of this example we talked about it another time is like when I was in college or when you were in grad school like when we came home it felt like this like um whole like journey <laughs> like okay I have to check all of these boxes of who I'm gonna see Like, I have to see this person. I have to make time for this person. And like, you have this whole like checklist of like all these plans you have to make in your head to like make time for everyone. And I definitely think I did that kind of in college um, of like, okay, I'm home for the weekend. I need to squeeze in every person for a different hangout or like every family member or like whatever it may be. And I think that's, I relate to that. Um kind of vibe when it comes to people pleasing that's like the exact example I was going to use was like I used to be like okay I have to see so and so I have to see so but like I didn't even enjoy my time because I was so stressed about hitting every spot and like I'd see like two or three people a day sometimes when I was home for like a three-day weekend or something 
<laughs> and I'm like, and then I would be like, I'm not even able to really enjoy my time because I'm so stressed about getting everywhere. And like, you know what I mean? It's like, why? I mean, there's some people it's different. Like, I really do want to make sure I see them, but like, you can't just like do that because everybody's like asking about you being home. Like, why don't you just say next time? If you really don't think you can make it, it's like, even if they're disappointed, it's like, I'm sorry. You're disappointed. Like legitimately, I'm sorry. You might feel neglected by me right now, but like, I need to just do what's best for myself, which is not driving an extra hour around town. I'm like one of my few days off to like fit you in, which again, sounds cold maybe, but I don't, it doesn't, I don't intend for it to be. Yeah. I think that's a good point for is like sometimes feeling like your time isn't yours or something and you have to allocate it to other people to make them feel good when at the at the end of the day that's your time and you can use it how you want to yeah in my opinion especially like your free time you know when you're not on the clock like you could you should be able to do whatever you want and not feel a pressure and one thing another thing kind of relating to this that I learned recently or I saw someone maybe on Instagram or something talking about it is um, instead of like sometimes what I do when I feel overwhelmed and I don't want to see people or or like whatever it is, I'll like make up an excuse, like kind of a white lie, honestly. And I definitely don't do this as way less, like basically hardly nowadays, luckily, but I used to do this where I would kind of be like, oh, I'm sorry, I have this. And it's sort of a white lie and I just don't want to hang out or I'm tired. And a lot of people, yeah, I think it was on Instagram, were saying like, it's what way more satisfying from a friend to just be completely transparent and say like, hey, I'm really burnt out and I really need just like a me time kind of day. I'd love to reschedule, you know? Or like, oh, today's not going to work. And I think there's one thing when you like flake on plans, that's like a meh feeling. Like I don't like being flaked on, but if it's like days in advance or it's planning something for the future and you feel like it's just not authentic, instead of just making up an excuse, just like be honest with like, this just doesn't feel right. Or I need, I'm going to be too busy that time of year, whatever it may be. It's just more courteous to the person and it feels more authentic like I've even gotten texts from friends being like hey like sorry we haven't really hung out I've been going through this and I feel like I wasn't showing up to people authentically and I didn't really want to hang out with anyone and I was like oh that like feels better than just like always being busy because then that feels like oh they're not making time for me or they don't care about me Mm -hmm. so just authentic like I just don't feel this for whatever reason it takes it helps the other person feel better about the situation too that's like the next one pretty much it's it's it says you can't say no but the example underneath it it says whether you say yes and then actually follow through or you later fake an illness to get out of your commitments you'll never (laughs) reach your goals if you can't speak up for yourself I think this, this one really hit what what you're saying really hits home for me too. Like recently I had a lot of folks like wanting to come visit me, which 
again, like I love, like I, I want people to see me. And I actually told like several people no, because I, I'm just overwhelmed right now. I'm studying for like a big credentialing exam. And I just felt kind of like my, my initial thought was to be like, yes, come. Even though I felt resistance, like to seeing people during this kind of busy time. And I'm like, you know, if they're my friends and they care about me and I explain that I'm just overwhelmed right now, I don't think it'll work out. Thanks for asking. Like, it means a lot. I do want to see you. It's nothing personal, but it's just not a good time. And no one was like, I mean, people might've been disappointed, but no one was like, how could you, you're a terrible friend for like, you know, it's like, no, like it's my space. Like I have the right to say no, even though I want to see people, you know what I mean? And I think that's something in the past I wouldn't have done. I think in the past I would have just been like, yeah, come on. Even though like financially and time-wise, it just wouldn't feel good. You know what yeah. I mean? Like and even I wanted to come and you turned me away kind of. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that sounds dramatic. <laughs> I turned you away. And I feel like I kind of was a little upset, but mm-hmm. like, I didn't get mad at you. I just internally was like, dang, like I really wanted to come and I was kind of bummed, but like I didn't get mad at you because that's like you were just asserting your boundaries and what you needed. And like, Mm -hmm. so I kind of just had my solo reflection of being annoyed a bit. And then it was like, oh, that's okay. I understand. I'm disappointed about the situation because I wanted to come, but it makes total sense, you know? Mm -hmm. And see, I I survived the small disappointment and now I'm a different trip for that weekend. So it's fine. But And I was like, and I was kind of worried to like tell you because originally I said yes. And then I was like that evening I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I think I'll just be anxious about it. And that's not like how I want to spend my time with you or like anyone I care about. So I was just like, I just don't know if it's a good idea. So then I just decided to say no. And then like, I could tell, like you said, you were a little disappointed and I was like, oh dang, like, I don't want to disappoint her, but it's like, I also just have to do this. And then now it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just over like conflict. Not that it's even a conflict really, but any sort of disagreement or conflict is so inevitable. If you're like being honest with people. Exactly. It's just like, you have to get used to it. And that kind of goes with the next one, which is you feel uncomfortable if someone is angry at you, which I think that's kind of universal Uh, because I think even if you aren't a huge people pleaser, it's not the most comfortable spot to be when people are mad at you for a lot of people. But I think it's like, it's like excruciating when you are a people pleaser. Like I, at least for me personally, like the thought of we've articulated this already, but like the thought of somebody being mad at me or thinking negatively about me is like a huge fear of mine. Like, oh my God, like they're mad at me. And then I think then I would turn to apologizing to, to get reassurance that they didn't hate me. And then, but then they probably only just said it was okay to like, get me off their back, but did they really feel done with the feelings they were having? Like, maybe not. Yeah. So I then think that that can, cause resentment in relationships or like distance or whatever but yeah that's a good point yeah I I don't Uh, like feeling I think I have gotten slightly better at it like I have had some disagreements with friends here and there that were really uncomfortable but like it did help me a bit to just be more open 
with people around me here and there, but it's like, yeah, again, it's a journey and I don't like, it's a very uncomfortable feeling to feel attention in a friendship or in any sort of relationship, whether it's to feel, oh, attention between you. I thought you said attention. Yeah. Tension with a T. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Not the vibe, but it's, it's like, if it happens, it's better to just figure it out than let it simmer. Cause I have that habit sometimes of letting things simmer. And then it's like, you don't, and then you might reach a breaking point with someone or a situation, but it feels like you can't do anything about it because maybe your anger or resentment or stress related to them or the situation is from like months ago or like like I think it's like if it's like months and months of stuff and then it's like once you're actually upset it might just be the small thing and then it's like dang like now it's like I don't want to be the person that brings all of these things from the past up to like show why I'm mad at someone even if that's how I feel because then it doesn't feel fair to them because Mm -hmm. like oh I had no clue you were upset months ago and now you're piling everything onto me and that's that's not fair to the person either but then it's like you don't want to be inauthentic either so it's easier even though it's way super uncomfortable and I'm not there yet always is like just in the moment being like wait that was awkward or like I felt a tension you don't even have to make it this huge thing but I've sent a couple of texts before being like hey, like, this kind of felt weird when you said this. And I'm sure it's not your intention, but blah, blah, blah. And then they were like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for it to come out that way or something. And it was just easier to tackle it right away. Oh my God. You're like preaching to the choir when you're talking about the buildup of stuff. I've I've been guilty of that. Uh, Not even guilty, but like I've done that in the past quite a lot, honestly. It's like the t- then once the iceberg is tipped, you're like everything from the last three months. Like here's everything I I'm upset about that I'm still thinking about and stewing over. And like I think that like you said, it's not really fair to the person if you're not showing up with them in the moment to say, hey, like even like you said, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It could just be like, hey, this thing that you said made me feel embarrassed. And then even if they feel a, or if if it's something more severe, like I'm upset with you because of blah, blah, blah. And even if they get angry at you, it's like, it's not about your character necessarily. It doesn't have to, I think that the, this number six, that you feel uncomfortable, someone's angry at you. I think the reason that I get so upset about it is because if somebody shows any sort of behavior towards me, that's not super warm and fuzzy. I think I tend to take that as like, they don't like me anymore. Like as a person, like they're done with me, like they're, they're angry with me. So therefore they don't like me at all when like moods and emotions are like like, sensations that come and go. And it's not necessarily about you to the core. It's just like what you said in that moment or like an action. Exactly. Okay. So number seven on our list is you act like the people around you. Um, I also want to articulate that in this article, it says specifically that it's normal for other people to bring out different sides of your personality. So it's, I think it's, it's making it more of a point to say that like you are, 
more maybe drastically adjusting the way that you act based on what you think the other person wants to hear. Like, like in this, it says, <laughs> um, actually, this is so true for me. It says people pleasers, for example, may eat more when they think it will make other people happy. So like if someone's like made a delicious meal, you might, mm -hmm. even if you're full to please somebody, I think there's also cultural norms too, with that, that like play into it yep. sometimes, but that was the example that was given in the article, but oh, interesting. Yeah. And it also says like people pleasers may engage in self-destructive behavior if they think it will help others feel more comfortable. So like at the expense of yourself, you might do something that's going to make someone else comfortable, but again, it's at your own expense. I could see that even if you, for example, even maybe being like self-deprecating, I feel like I've done that in some context to like make another person feel better or yeah. relate to someone when it's like, why would I bring down myself to match someone else's energy or something? Like that's so odd when I think about it. Or I've also noticed sometimes we were actually talking about this recently, how in a lot of like more so service industry jobs or retail jobs that both of us have had, like a, a strong way of bonding in those contexts is like mutually complaining about the job or like managers. And I felt like yeah. sometimes I to like feel in the group with co-workers would kind of go along with that when in reality I sometimes was like why are we all like not or I was kind of like why are we all so negative about this job all the time but I kind of went along with it to kind of fit in with the group or to feel like I was bonding with them even though I felt like when I'm negative about something it makes me dread it more you know so I feel right. like I trying to people please like my coworkers or something or kind of trying to fit the energy of them when why would I do that why don't I just have more positivity if that's how I was feeling <laughs> that's a good example like I feel like similar to what you said earlier I've sort of devalued myself to make someone else feel better like I don't even know if that's 100% people pleasing that might just be like being compassionate like you're trying to make someone feel better yeah. Um, but I feel like people who are people pleasers, it might be more likely that they do that. Yeah. Again, it's that slippery slope. What of like differentiating, but they're all kind of from a similar place, I guess. <laughs> the next one is you need praise to feel good. Ooh, mm. I agree with this one personally. Sometimes I take no feedback as negative feedback. <laughs> Like you need validation. So like this says, if your self-worth rests entirely on what others think of you, you'll only feel good when others shower you with compliments. Mm. So I think it's like about, it's also the difference of like being confident in yourself and like comfortable with yourself and knowing that you're doing your best or you're being your best self or whatever it is Yeah. without, like, I think that's also a piece of it, like being secure with yourself too, not just people pleasing. Some of these, I feel like are a little more broad, like they could, they could be indicative of a lot of different things. Somebody could, somebody could be going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it also kind of goes with imposter syndrome of feeling like you don't yeah. doing a good job or something. 
which I'm sure people pleasers might have more imposter syndrome maybe than other people. <laughs> I feel like the two would go hand in hand, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I always think my default is I'm not doing very well unless I'm getting feedback that I'm doing well, like in any scenario of jobs or school and such. Like, I, I don't think I would think very highly of my performance Mm-hmm. Unless I'm getting some sort of external validation or even just like, even if it's not words, but people seem like happy to see me at work or if they acknowledge me or they ask me to help them with stuff, it makes me feel like they trust me and therefore I'm like doing a good enough job. Whereas if I don't really feel like people are interacting with me much, even if it's just them being extremely busy and like in their own head or stressed or whatever, I kind of take that as, oh no, they're not like counting on me or, oh, they're not acknowledging me. So they don't, they don't like me or they don't think I'm doing a good job or something. Oh yeah. I totally relate, dude. (laughs) A lot of these are hitting a little too close to home. (laughs) Honestly. Yeah. I think, I think in a way it's, they're hitting close to home, but we're both, I think, very aware of these behaviors now, which is a step. And I think it's getting better for both of us too. Like we're taking action, but it is interesting to just kind of hear these reflected back to me from this article and think like, yep. Yeah. That's me. That's my life. Like, that's what I do. Yeah. The first step is being aware because you're kind of on autopilot. At least I have been for a long time with these behaviors. Like it wasn't even registered to me that I was people pleasing this was just Mm. what I was doing or something yeah and now wait this doesn't have to be the norm like why is this the norm right it doesn't have to be at all there Mm -hmm. there's a certain way that you can carry yourself that's like still kind and all of the qualities that you and I want to be but without some of these like people pleasing or self-deprecating or um highly attuned to others reactions types of behaviors speaking of that it this is kind of a segue (laughs) but I forgot who it was someone on Instagram that was saying how they were like an empath and how like kind of like we we are saying with people pleasing like being an empath is like sometimes a lot of times like a response of feeling like unsafe around other people that you feel like you have to be so in tune with everyone else's emotions and I feel like that somewhat relates even to people pleasing is feeling like you have to predict other people's emotions and be like so in tune to not disrupt how other people are feeling so I feel like that's another thing that could probably overlap a little bit with people pleasing. Like that's kind of what we talked about earlier in the episode, like of it being almost a survival strategy, like to keep the peace or it could be something that you developed in childhood to like manage a chaotic household. Like you were able to see what you needed to do to make other people stay stable or happy with you. To maintain your own well-being and your own safety. Whereas like as adults, it's not always necessary anymore. I mean, maybe it it could be if you get into a survival situation again. But like, I think in workplaces that you're safe in and you're just anxious about what other people are thinking, it's not necessarily serving you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or other situations that we've mentioned today. 
this next one also is like so us too um it's you go to great lengths to avoid conflict <laughs> yikes enneagram nine anyone <laughs> I was literally thinking about Enneagrams and Myers-Briggs actually throughout this oh, or just throughout this conversation of just, I'm a type nine on the Enneagram, which we've, we touched on personality types, a different episode a while ago, but the biggest like inner fear is like conflict and like not having um, like harmony and peace in your life, whether it's internal or external. And I feel like So I think my Enneagram type definitely plays a role in being a people pleaser because that is like one of my biggest fears is that inner harmony or outer harmony disrupted from Mm. conflict and people pleasing helps you avoid conflict. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I I really despise conflict as well, or I, I wouldn't say despise, but I really feel uncomfortable by it physically and emotionally like even when there's a conflict a very minor one I find myself like physically being like like backing away like I I just get so weird about it even like strangers fighting I feel like I get really scared yeah like I almost feel like I need to get out like I remember once a customer recently at my job was being rude to a coworker of mine and I was just like Oh my God. I like, I can't be here. This is so uncomfortable. Or, or like friends of mine having like passive aggressive conversations, like with me around, I was like, I I just feel so weird. Like I can't be here right now and I don't want to contribute to it. So I almost act like I don't know what's happening, which is kind of contributing in a way, but. Uh, And I think that that does play a role. I think conflict I've been thinking about it a lot lately and like I feel like we're not really taught how to have good conflict with people (laughs) like it's not taught at all not at all and I feel like if you're not from a family where they're really good with conflict like it's definitely not a skill that can come naturally to everyone even though it's a normal thing that comes up because human beings just have different needs and beliefs and ways of thinking. So of course it's going to come up when we're like coexisting together, you know? Yeah. And I think it also is like cultural norms too of how conflict happens. Cause I feel like, I don't know. I feel like in the Midwest, it's like more of a passive aggressive vibe, which I don't like sometimes because I don't like that tension feeling or the walking on eggshells feeling, Mm. but I feel like we've been socialized in that environment that I feel like it's people that don't maybe know how to be assertive and are kind of just the only way they know how to conflict is to be passive aggressive about it. Mm. But I feel like that is more of a Midwest thing than like, I feel like on the East coast, like the reputation is more of people that are more like openly like assertive or like, even aggressive, I guess. <laughs> then, yeah, I guess like stereotypically, just overall. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it is more individualized. Each household. <laughs> yeah, exactly that too. It's just interesting how conflict works socially or like sociologically. <laughs> I feel like it's just interesting. Well, it's just like, it's pretty simple when you think about it. Two people or more like have some sort of disagreement 
or tension or whatever it is. It always comes down to a disagreement, honestly, or like someone's feelings are hurt by the other's comment or whatever. And it could be as simple as saying, I feel this like in response to that. And that just being a normal thing to say, I just, I wonder what the world would be like. I know that's what I mean is like, it's so simple, but why do we complicate it so much? Well, and if you think about kids before they learn that it's not okay to talk about conflict, it's more normal for a kid. Like I was thinking of our friend, Eliza, who works at a preschool. She says that the kids will be like, I don't know, like they'll just be more direct to each other and say, how they're feeling Mm -hmm. and it's with less of a like malicious it's not necessarily with malicious intent it's more like just if they're upset they're upset and they express it before they're kind of conditioned not to and then the other kids find out because they just tell them what's happening or they'll say like so and so is doing this and it's like I don't know like why are we conditioned out of it why is that something that we don't continue doing from childhood I don't get exactly yeah wow it is interesting it's like everyone has to deal with it why is it so hard for most of us that's like relationships too like we're all in them but why are they so confusing (laughs) yeah that's also true and it's just it's very it's in our nature to interact with other people and like live among communities of people so I feel like those skills should be more emphasized in school and just life but I agree yeah we need just like a managing conflict in relationships class in high school or something (laughs) literally yeah and just in our everyday life it should be more normal for those kinds of conversations to come up in families like maybe even with parenting and such I guess again it depends on the, the household but I feel like we didn't really explicitly learn about conflict or or relationships with other people I mean maybe Mm-mm. a lot of people don't talk about that though yeah unfortunately yeah Ugh. so confusing <laughs> the next one is also kind of on this note but um about relationships but it says you don't admit when your feelings are hurt and it says you can't form authentic relationships with people unless you're willing to speak up sometimes and say that your feelings are hurt denying any emotions even when you're feeling emotionally wounded keeps a relationship superficial yeah I think I struggle with that because I'm worried sometimes they'll get mad at me or be defensive of like no that's not what I meant you know but it's like it doesn't matter how someone meant to interact with you if it hurts you it doesn't matter what their intent is in my opinion exactly you can understand it more but it doesn't excuse any behavior or it doesn't mean you shouldn't say it just because they didn't mean to because like it doesn't minimize the importance of your feeling that you had exactly it doesn't change anything there's this show that we both like it's a podcast called just break up and I remember one of the hosts Sierra was talking about how her dad was in the hospital and she like wasn't able to visit him or something I I don't remember why and then she said a while later he was like I'm not mad at you and I I know you had a lot going on but 
I felt really hurt that you didn't visit me in the hospital. And I just like needed to speak that truth to you and like, let you know that I felt Mm -hmm. that way. And that comment, and she said it really stuck with her and that comment that she made about him saying that really stuck with me too, is like, it's like their feeling was still valid, even though she obviously didn't intend to make him feel that way. And because she knew that it was like, it kind of brought them even closer. Like they were, cause they were just being open with how they were showing up to the interaction they were in. Yeah. I think that's a good example, I guess, to say, see that like, it's okay to be honest with people. And if people care about you, they won't just be horrible back if you were upset by them, you know, maybe they'll get defensive at first. And I've definitely done that with people that were like like you've gotten defensive not like in a horrible way but just like oh my god what like I did not mean that or like you know maybe I feel kind of angry at first from a defensive point of view if your intention isn't bad but it doesn't matter like you have to like set that aside I think when it's like it doesn't there was some quote I liked and it was like, you're judging everybody based on their actions, but you're judging yourself based on your intent. Oh, that's interesting. We're judging everyone around us because we don't have the context by what they're actually doing, but we judge ourselves based on what we're, why we're doing things. So it's like, if somebody's upset by us, they can only really judge us based on our actions not our intent. So just keeping that in mind that we're doing the same thing for everyone around us. So it's important to just own up to that. And also, I don't know. Yeah. I just thought that was a thing. (laughs) That is very, that is interesting. Like we have a lot more information to support why we do something versus what other people do. I don't know. Like you have to be communicative regardless of you're the one whose feelings are hurt or they are because all you can get is that face-to-face contact you can't read minds exactly and I think it's easy even for people pleasers probably because we're trying to understand other people without even asking half the time (laughs) like we're trying to predict other people so I think sometimes people pleasers even will almost mind read and think that somebody did something to harm you or you know, oh, they hate me because of this, because we're trying to people please. And if they don't give us this perfect response, but I think usually just confronting them will help you feel better about the situation because you'll actually know what's going on Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of trying to predict it or read these little behind the, like between the lines, I guess, (laughs) which I feel like I do a lot like, oh, they did this little thing. Maybe that means they're mad, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, do I stress? Fortunately I do. Like, why am I? Yeah. I feel like I'm just done. I've realized lately. I'm like, I'm just done with passive aggressiveness. Like I feel like I'm just, if I'm feeling that somebody's annoyed, like at this point, I'm just like, you know what? If you're not telling me you're annoyed, like I'm not gonna try so hard to read your little cues and signs to me. Like, and I know I'm guilty of being passive aggressive sometimes too, as like a fear of conflict response. Like, 
I'm not perfect either, but I think I'm just trying to be like, oh, I'm just done with that for myself and to other people. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I feel so done with that as well. Like, I just kind of want to be radically honest. <laughs> yeah. I'm just sick of it. And I think I, again, I'm not, I'm guilty of it too. Cause I think I shut down easily with conflict. So mm. I think shutting down could come off as passive aggressive if I'm not being communicative to someone or being more quiet or something like instead of just being open. So it's like I have empathy for why it comes across that way sometimes because I've probably done that too. But I'm just like, ugh, <laughs> I'm sick of like trying to read, like analyze people and hyper analyze everything. Or I'm sick of trying to like give people all these signals that I'm upset and not say it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I feel thoroughly exhausted by this topic, but also (laughs) it was fun to unpack. Yeah. And I think we like related to them all, but I feel like we, for most of them, we had sort of strategies that we're already trying to use to help unlearn some of these behaviors which is awesome yeah progress you know (laughs) I would say so and like I said earlier if anybody has ideas for ways to like unlearn people pleasing tendencies please send them our way because we'd love to hear if you've heard of anything or tried anything that's worked or that hasn't worked um yeah just any any advice insight things you want to talk about Exactly. Love that. Yeah. Oh, this is good. Well, we also, before we close out the show, want to go through our caffeine fix of the week, which if you don't remember is when we plug our favorite caffeinated drink or coffee shop or anything related to coffee, tea, caffeine, you name it. <laughs> and I think it's actually my turn this week. I'm not mistaken. Um, I wanted to plug going with the fall and pumpkin theme um, in the pumpkin spice craze that we were talking about where this all started. Yeah, I wanted to plug the Starbucks pumpkin cold brew. I personally think this is way better than pumpkin spice lattes. Dare I say it? <laughs> it's basically their cold brew, and then they have this cold foam that they put the pumpkin flavoring in, and it is just so good. Oh, it's delicious. <laughs> it is really good. I'm a huge fan of it as well. I would also recommend. Yeah, and I always get it with. Well, I think I I always get a grande and then I get half the amount of vanilla, but the full amount of pumpkin. And it's like the perfect sweetness level. And it's just so lovely. Because I feel like I like cold coffee, even in the cold weather. Like I don't usually want a hot coffee. So I feel like it's a great way to have the fall vibes, but in a cold drink, if you're more of an iced coffee, cold brew person like me. (laughs) I also kind of like it because the cold foam like sits on top and then it kind of seeps in Mm -hmm. to the coffee slowly. So it's also visually appealing. (laughs) It's aesthetic. Let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think Uh, the one thing complaint I have is that 
I feel like sometimes whoever makes it, it like changes the vibe of it. Like I've had some where it was literally like half foam and others where it was like not enough foam. So when the barista has like the perfect ratio is when it's like 10 out of 10. But I had one that was like almost all foam, but it did taste amazing. But I felt like it wasn't caffeinated enough. But that's just a side note. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So in the meantime, get outside and jump in a pile of leaves when the time comes (laughs) or start carving up a jack-o'-lantern or maybe pick up some pumpkin spice lattes for you and the fam. (laughs) In other words, enjoy the fall with Rach and I this season. Actually, it's perfect because this episode is airing the first day of October. Oh yeah, it is the best month out there. And maybe, you know, if you're a people pleaser like us, know you're not alone. And, you know, hopefully that list helped you kind of recognize some signs maybe that you weren't aware of or new solutions to improve on those skills. Yeah. And follow us on social media too, while you're thinking about those things. (laughs) (laughs) Our our Instagram is Mocha's in the meantime podcast. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook at Mocha's in the meantime podcast, or check us out on our website, which is Mocha's in the meantime.com. We're always looking for reviews too. So f- please feel free to write us a review on Apple podcasts. It really helps us out to get some feedback and just get our names out there a little bit more. So we'd really appreciate that. And, um, anything else you want to say, Rach? I I think that covers it you know all right well peace. peace